0: All right, welcome to a weekend edition of the Hardwood Huddle. I am Randy Zelia, and with me is the Supreme Leader. He is the Jedi Knight. He is the one and only coming from the darkness into the light, Mr. Bill Ingram himself. Bill, good morning. How are we doing? We're taping. We finally got on the schedule. We can tape together. Hallelujah, right?
1: We did. Uh, it's a little bit like the NBA teams trying to figure out how they're gonna fit this new weird schedule in to get everybody. Playing the right number of games in the right number of places with the right amount of social distancing, and (laughs) even going to play in Toronto. What a
0: crazy world! Well, Toronto, the Raptors contacted me about playing in my backyard, and
1: I said, "Listen, I'm not interested." (laughs) They just tear it up, man. When they did that here, I'm still trying to get the the damage repaired. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: I just, I literally had that mental picture of me coming down the stairs and there's Kyle Lowry at my island sitting there having cereal. So, (laughs) so with that and his kids running around the whole entire time. But look, at at the end of the day, the NBA offseason, the shortened abbreviated offseason is in full effect right now. And my Lord, everything except for the two big shoes to drop that we were waiting for, seems to be happening in different ways. Steven Adams moved. This week, uh, which you and I both said, who doesn't want him on their team? I'll take him. So, man, I, I don't know where to starts, so, but let's backtrack and let's start right or right before the NBA draft. The news about James Harden and Russell Westbrook both wanting out, both put on their Christmas list, the destinations of where they would like to be by Christmas. And the Rockets are sitting there saying, uh, thank you for putting this in the suggestion box. We'll look over it. We'll get back to you. Please get back on
1: the court and do what you're supposed to be doing. Yes, shut up and play basketball. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lack of understanding on the part of the players, I think, that, especially guys making the kind of money that James Harden and Russell Westbrook make, that it takes a hell of a lot for a team to acquire them. And for, let's take Harden, for example, to say, hey, yep, just send me to Brooklyn. Well, the problem is they've already got, and here's my favorite thing, and I forget who who had this analysis of it, but it was that, well, by going to Brooklyn, um, James Harden will have some of the scoring burden taken off his shoulders because Kevin Durant can shoulder some of that. And I thought, you know, there's only one burden on James Harden's shoulders, and that's the fact that he won't pass the damn ball. <laughs> yeah. There are plenty of weapons that have been in his uh, on the court with him in Houston and in Oklahoma City before that. Who would have happily shared the burden of the ball if he would have let them? Yeah, uh, I wondered. How, do you really think that through? And, and what you know, Brooklyn says we'll give up the the bench for James Harden, and Houston's supposed to take that. Like, oh, come on. Yeah. So, so yeah, Bro- okay. Brooklyn's attitude.
0: Brooklyn's attitude was like, listen, I see you have James Harden there. We would like to offer you this, <laughs> a shiny can of Coca Cola. Right. <laughs> What do you think? No, oh, I, I, I think, uh, it, and not that I, I want to promote other sportscasters on this show, but Colin Coward said it best James Harden is a scorer. He is not a leader. He can score you 35 points a game while giving up 25 points. Uh, yep. Chris, Paul, Chris Paul came and left him. He still won. Dwight Howard sort of came and left him. He just won a championship ring. I hate to say it, you know, a leader, he is not. And Kevin Durant's toughness and wanting the ball in the clutches has, has been questioned even when he was in golden state. So if James Harden and Kyrie Irving are, uh, are teaming with Kevin Durant, you have Harden sitting there saying, cause Harden has disappeared in big spots you take the ball. No, no, you take the ball. And, Ky- and then Kyrie would be like, well, I'll take the ball. Well, we don't want you to have the ball. It's, it, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what it's looking like there. And it's like, oh man, I, I were the Brooklyn Nets. I would say, listen, we're not interested in Harden, but we would like Serge Ibaka.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and I'd rather have Spencer Dinwiddie, honestly, than James Harden at this point, because uh, you're not having to pay him $50 million. And He'll pass the ball. He's a a, a capable and willing distributor, um, who I just thought, you know, he really had a great season uh, and looks like a player who's really going to be on the rise. If I'm moving somebody, I move Kyrie because <laughs> I'd rather yeah. have ball in Bigwoody's hands. But uh, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with your assessment of KD though. I think he showed in Golden State and Finals MVP that he will, and I in Oklahoma City he took the big shot night after night, and and they used to battle hard with, with Dallas. And, of course, I was courtside in both places usually um, watching that. And KD would take the big shot at the end and make it and not a moment's hesitation. And, hell, the Mavs knew. They knew he was going to take the shot. Rick Carlisle said this multiple times. We know who's taking the shot. We know where he's going to take the shot. We just can't stop him from doing it. <laughs> so <laughs> – does he come back with that same uh, ability post injury, these these horrible injuries where they miss a season that it's, it's, it, it takes a toll on the game more often than not, but we're hearing that KD looks like the KD before the injury and I'll build a team around that guy. Uh, his ability, it is his mentality, his, his um, tendency to worry too much about what other people think. That's the only thing that, the only hole in his game to me and it's off it's his off the court game it's that mental toughness but on the court I'll take KD in any, any day in last second shot any day I'll take him
0: I think I think I have to agree with you and and take the l on that previous comment that I made he does care way too much about what everybody else is thinking um you know and I think LeBron was the same way yep. until until he went back to Cleveland I think when he went back to Cleveland, he just said, listen, I'm going to have my detractors no matter what. You're always going to say what you want about me. I'm just going to go do my thing. And I think that's what has made his L.A. run so much more fascinating is he just doesn't care. He just wants to win. Like he, There was a lot of criticism for him not staying in Cleveland and going back to the Lakers, especially when he said he wanted to finish his career in Cleveland. But he fulfilled his prophecy out in Cleveland and got them a championship um, could have, should have been more. He probably should have beaten if Kyrie and Kevin Love didn't go down that first Warriors Cavs matchup probably should have belonged to the Cavs to be honest with you. But, um, but you know, you have to look at it from the perspective of you can't, you have to play with the guys that you have and LeBron, LeBron surrounds himself. And I, I was having this argument with somebody who's used to be on NBA Sirius radio nobody else yesterday. We had him on the show for uh, off topic and we were discussing the LeBron Jordan debate. I know we're totally getting off from the NBA offseason right now, and I apologize for that. this is what I do.
1: Jordan debate. <sighs> uh,
0: but it's one of those things where LeBron is smart to team up. And and I and, and he's saying that because it's helping his also his longevity. But I, I made the comment, I said, look, but Jordan back in the day didn't want to just beat you. He ain't teaming with you. He's beating you. He's he's sticking with his guys. That first three Pete, that core stayed together until Jordan was gone that second 3 threepeat you pretty much had the same nucleus of guys with him throughout that run so jordan was a guy who just wanted to beat you
1: mm-hmm.
0: lebron i don't see that fire and i told him it's not fair to compare it i think the accolades the accolades can probably go hand in hand but the actual player himself is not it's not a competition
1: it's absolutely right it's a, but it's a different game it's, it's also a different game a different league where everybody wants to play with each other all the time. In the 80s and 90s, no way did anybody. They all wanted to beat you. Everybody wanted to have their own team with their own guys and beat your team with your guys, and nobody wanted to play with each other. And I I thoroughly enjoyed all those rivalries. I mean, man, it made the game so much more interesting to me. But, hey, the players are a result of the culture in which they play and the times in which they play. And these are times where – more who finishes who plays an entire career I mean Dirk I don't know that we'll see another player play his entire career a long-term superstar type player that plays 20 years how many guys are really going to spend all that time on the same team now with all the free agency and all the movement and all that stuff I just don't know Dirk I think will be I don't want to say he'll be the last somebody will do it but that used to be the norm and now it's you're just not going to see it very often
0: I think someone who's been a senior in college coming out into the NBA will do it because they're gonna they're coming out more mature and understand that this is the um, the job part of it. Whereas you have these kids who are coming out one and done, it's the excitement of everything and the immaturity and they sort of run themselves out of town or the team they run the, they make the team run them out of town. So I think there's a I think there's a level of that. Uh, so that was the big thing with Harden during the beginning of the week. And of course Westbrook too. There's their fielding offers.
1: They Don't want to play with each other. That's it. People yeah. don't want to play with James Harden for very long. Yeah.
0: And that's and that's pretty much and that's pretty much what it is there. Then we had the draft where there wasn't really many surprises. I think it was more about the trade. And this is this was the definition of a potential draft. If we've ever had a potential draft in the NBA, this was the definition of it because it was all unknown. And it really was just all unknowns. Um the Drew Holiday trade expanded with into Steven Adams last night where Steve Adams is going to end up in a, pel- a Pelican's uniform, which is a steal by Dave Griffin. No doubt. Yeah. You know, so we're looking at – and I, I think we're going to – we have a week before camp, camp kicks in. I think we're going to see some moves. I don't think Houston's going to move either one of those big guys. Um, I can't see a team – I think the Pelicans are the only team that got considerably better. I, and I think the Pistons have done a lot of moves, but I don't know how much better they're getting with those moves.
1: I thought Milwaukee was a lot better until that trade with Sacramento fell through.
0: Yes, uh, I agree with you.
1: Now it's kind of, mm, what's happening with Milwaukee? Um, and I think, hey, Phoenix getting Chris Paul.
0: No, I'm sorry, Chris Paul. I forgot about Chris Paul I've trade. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. Phoenix has knocked has has knocked themselves out of lottery contention. They've now put themselves in the yeah. uh, in the talk.
1: Yep, and I also think we have to look at Kelly Oubre landing in Golden State. Uh, obviously, he's not Clay Thompson by any stretch of the imagination, but he's what they need. They need a shooting guard who can score the three. He's he can also do some things Clay doesn't do. Not saying Clay couldn't do them, but he will do some things that Clay tends to keep his roll out, you know, hitting that open three. So I, there were some teams that that helped themselves. Uh, of course, with the Warriors, it was by necessity they would be better if Clay had not gotten injured and they didn't have a break. but um, they did. Hey, responded very well to that negative and came back with the positive.
0: Do you think? And this this is a, a very very fair question. Do you think at this point in time? You look at teams like the Lakers and the Clippers and the Milwaukee Bucks and you know you look at the the Philadelphia 76ers who got better this week too mm-hmm. by trading out Horford. yep you look at that you look at these teams
1: Portland got and, I'm sorry. Portland got Covington.
0: Yeah. That's- you look at these teams and I'm saying we have two giant unknowns one from each conference, you have Golden State because you don't know what Golden State is coming back into the Western Conference. Yep. And then you look at the Eastern Conference, you don't know what Brooklyn's going to be because you don't know what this is going to be. And like I think both, the parallel between the Warriors and the Nets right now is both teams didn't have their stars last year. So both teams were forced to have their role players may, play major minutes and be put in different situations. So how much better are those teams going to be when they add their superstars back to the mix? come December
1: 22nd. Well, that's always the thing. When you've got guys who uh, were not going to play many minutes, now thrust into situations where we don't ever want to say wins don't matter, but they're not as critical. Uh, And they're in games, in situations, carrying a load they wouldn't have carried before. And now they're being put back into a situation where they don't have to shoulder that load, but they have and they can that is, and I know that's what you're alluding to. Is now those guys, instead of having to carry the team every night, get to compliment Steph Curry. They get to compliment Kevin Durant. Yep. And it means that your supporting cast in should be this is how it should be. And I'm sure with Steve Kerr, this is how it will be. We'll see what happens in Brooklyn. But those guys should now be ready to take that team to the next level with the Stars back. That's what should happen.
0: All right, let's do a quick little game of. Uh, do you believe it or not? As I always like to call this, do you believe it or not? I just do this on off topic all the time. Um, I'm going to name a story and you can just say, believe it or don't believe it. And you can tell me why. And I'll, I'll chime in. Believe it or, or not. <laughs> all right. So first story to believe um, earlier, one source I sent it over to you, and he said you don't, you know, never heard of the source before. Had claimed that the Nets and Rockets have an understanding of a possible deal. Do you believe it or not?
1: No, not I don't believe it at all. Not unless I mean the Nets are not going to move KD. They're not. Apparently, they're not going to move Kyrie. I don't know why Houston would want Kyrie. Uh, I know Popovich has expressed interest in Kyrie in a Lamarcus to Brooklyn trade. If Pop wants Kyrie for some for whatever reason, that would make sense. But Houston. I don't see them taking what Brooklyn has to offer uh, what they've offered to this point, unless they're just going to say, Hey, we're scrapping it. We're rebuilding. And that's, doesn't, that's not what we're hearing from Houston.
0: Correct. Um, Listen, I, again, this goes back to someone thinks they heard something and put a clickbait out nope. there, and everybody sort of believed it, and then you just scratch your head and saying, "Dude, don't you have anything better to do with your time?" Like
1: <laughs> that's pretty much the way it is. Okay, twenty-year-old uh, kids manning the Twitter feeds for websites.
0: <laughs> believe it or not, Dwight Howard actually turned down the opportunity to go back to the Lakers. Can you believe that or not?
1: You know, I I knew Dwight quite well back in the Orlando. And Houston days. Um, and I, I would like to think that he's matured some. He seems he's saying the right things, which is that he's ready to get paid now because he took what he took from the Lakers because nobody else was offering anything. Now he's a champion, now he deserves a contract. And while I understand his mentality in that, I don't know that he proved anything to the rest of the league. He was not a major factor in that championship. He was a factor, he played well in a limited role. Um, but am I going to sign Dwight Howard to a big big contract, start him at center, and base the success of my franchise on him? I'm not going to do that. He just doesn't take it seriously enough. He's never taken it seriously. He's been incredibly talented, but the first time he got hurt, uh, I believe it was was an elbow to the back from Brendan Haywood. They were playing in Orlando. Mavs were there. I was there. I remember he got hurt. And because he doesn't – his work ethic is not what it could be, Um, he never really came back from that injury. And so that side of him is the side that general managers know well. And when you're talking about who you're going to make a big contract offer to, I don't think Dwight's on that list. I think he'll land somewhere he can help uh, a lot of teams. He could help the Lakers. He should just really – if I'm Dwight, I stay there. But big contract from some team? I don't. I don't believe
0: that. I. I sort of. Uh. Sort of agree on on that one. Uh. Okay. How about this one? The Nets signed Joe Howard to a four-year, seventy-five million dollar deal. Do you believe this, or is this something that's a, a regretful situation by the Brooklyn
1: Nets? That's a. You know, I hate to see teams bet. That that's a bet. That's going to Vegas, and you're spinning mm. the roulette wheel, and you're putting it on a number. Uh, And you're hoping it's that number and maybe it is and maybe it's not. But, you know, it's it's awfully hard to to put a value on a player because it's always usually it's what some I love restricted free agency. That's my favorite thing. Okay, go get your contract from somebody and then we'll either match it or not. But I don't know. I don't believe that. I don't put that kind of money. I mean, they got a lot of money to spend on that team and that's not where I spend it
0: no not 75 million over 4 years for who a guy who was a spot up shooter 2 years ago and last year couldn't sniff the basket i am sorry i just don't buy it and That's no. not, you know
1: what that is uh, here's here's what i believe without knowing this but i believe this his agent leaked that <laughs> Oh, no, god yeah oh god yeah his agent. Uh, that to drive up the price and help the negotiations, which is what the media serve. Mostly, that's the purpose the media seem to serve these days, is the tool of the agents to or teams to drive up value or drive down value. Um,
0: Believe it or not, the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to own 12 of the first 14 lottery picks in next year's draft, and the other two are still going to go to the Boston Celtics because the Nets are still paying for the uh, Kevin Garnett-Paul Pierce trade. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I do believe that, man. Sam Francisco <laughs> has been collecting. And look, when they had a great year this year, what they do? They fire their coach. They start sending players out. Wait, we're supposed to be losing. We need to clear these guys. What are you doing? We're trying to lose. <laughs> uh, and it makes sense because they're not going to compete. The West is so deep right now. If you're a team like the Thunder, you want to look at or, – or even I'd say the Pelicans – You're trying to look at five years from now because five years from now, LeBron is gone, most likely. He's certainly not a superstar anymore. Yeah, Uh, You know, a lot of – and maybe Damian Lillard, you know, some of the guys who are in in their primes or later stages of their primes right now will be gone. Uh, You talk about Chris Paul, maybe Westbrook and Harden. A lot of these guys, five years from now, they're not in that discussion anymore. So you're trying to build for the next – Round of Western Conference teams, and trying to be the top in that category, and that's what Sam Presti's trying to do in Oklahoma City. And with all those first-round picks, as long as you don't have drafts like this year, you're in a position to build that team. And I like that approach. I I love the the approach of building it from the ground up. That is my favorite way to watch a team uh, get built and to grow. I hate the free agency shortcuts. So. I'll believe that one. I, that's Presti's goal, and Presti is one of the most underrated GMs in the NBA.
0: And for those who uh, take me seriously, the, the Celtics have already gotten all their draft picks from the Nets for that deal.
1: <laughs> oh, they were already putting it in the comments, Brandon.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's I'm gonna I mean, I'm gonna get a whole bunch of hate mail later. No, we we already paid that debt. Um, it, by the way, that picture I sent you earlier from the draft lottery was all OKC, and there was yeah. one there was one Knicks one. That's what made that even better
1: right because the knicks will still be in the lottery yeah <laughs> uh,
0: spe- <laughs> speaking of the knicks um people around the area and people around the league have given them an a plus for their draft this year um the team actually feeling like they're in the right direction look here's my view of the new york knicks situation and 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 i say situation and i mean it. it's a real bad situation you you were on this right path before. You got a good free agent in Amari Stoudemire. Yes, he had bad knees at that time. But you you had a superstar. You you signed guys like Raymond Felton. You had rookies like Wilson Chandler and Danilo Gallinari. You had a team that the crowd was sort of getting behind because a lot of them were unknown guys. You bought Amari Stoudemire. And they had a very solid first half of the year. But that was the same time where they had the Carmelo Anthony sweepstakes between them and the Nets. And you know this because you're close with George Carl. As attractive as the Nets offer was to that team, to the, the Denver Nuggets, George Carl was like, I'm not may not be here five years from now to see how this trade is gonna really turn out. So let's take the Knicks offer so we can still be competing today. And, and it worked. I mean and, and the, and the Nets, the Nets' offer was a overall a better offer. You were getting Devin Harris, you were getting uh, Derek Favors, and you were getting three first-round draft picks, inclu- as well as some other role players for Carmelo Anthony. And Carmelo was just like, "Dude, I'm going to go to New York either way. Just make sure I get paid." So, um, you know, the Nuggets ended up going with the uh, the Knicks' offer. The Knicks were damned from that point on because you take away. You're, not only your future, you're, you're mortgaging the future for right now, but you were also banking on Amari Stoudemire's knees and banking on that Carmelo and Stoudemire were going to have a good working relationship, and it wasn't there. So for the first time in a while, the Knicks have assets. For the first time in a while, they have money. They have draft picks. They're, they have some young players. But is there a superstar that wants to come on, come on board and play with play in the circus?
1: I don't think so. And I, I liken that situation. Um, Dallas was in this situation for a while. Not not nearly to the extent. I mean, Dallas was in this situation and was still making the playoffs every year because of Dirk. But Dallas thought the way Mark Cuban and Donnie Nelson, they thought the way to compete for a championship was to go through free agency and target the big names every summer. Set yourself up with short-term contracts so that you could make these huge offers to big names and none of them chose Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> so you wound up with just... A uh, buffet of who was left at the end of the season, and hey, to Dirk's credit, to those players' credit, to Rick Carlisle's credit, they made the playoffs most of the time with the buffet of players. But every year, Dirk had to look around him and go, "Who are you again?" <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and and they and they did it uh, because Dirk was amazing. Uh, New York has not had a Dirk in that mix. They've had the same mentality, which is let's go out and try to sign big name free agents and make trades. And and that's how we're going to build our team. But Dallas is now on the on the rebound. Uh, they're they're on the poor thing could actually ever get healthy and stay that way. They would be in the contending discussion because they changed course uh, towards the end of Dirk's career. They changed course. They started using their draft picks and developing those guys. Uh, and then, of course. You wind up with the Luka Doncic pick. Uh, you get him with Trey Young, that whole thing. But uh, now Dallas is on the rise because you have a bunch of young players who have played together for several seasons who know each other. They know each other's games. They've developed together, and they're a cohesive unit. Um, that's that's really what the Knicks need to do. They need to stop bringing in every power forward in the league and worrying about all, every free agent and just go, look, we're going to take these, we're, all these picks, and, and let's use the picks, and let's put together a coaching staff that is a developmental staff that knows how to take young players and mold them into great players and then build the franchise like that. And then the fan base will get behind you because they'll see what you're doing. They'll get to know those guys. They'll see their growth game over game and month over month and season over season. And the fan base will believe in the team again.
0: Well, and you say that too, and I really think about – a growing the team and B, developing your own stars instead of trying to pick out other other places. Um, as we're winding down here, has there any been any team that has improved themselves since the last trade deadline to now look and has a, be, a better upside to make the playoffs this year in the Eastern Conference than the Atlanta Hawks? Not
1: better than Atlanta. It- to make the playoffs, certainly not, absolutely not. That that part of the Eastern Conference, uh, there have been some interesting things happening in the middle and the top. Um, and I, if you know, the Depot situation is interesting. Uh, what's going to happen in Indiana? Because he's not going, he can't be the star of that team if they're going to be serious. And Indiana's, I don't think they're serious, but. Um, <laughs> but, but Atlanta, um, yeah. They've got a they've got a front office that, that desperately wants to win. They've got a player who might be Trey Young might be the guy with the right you know one or two more pieces around him. I love the Clint Capella. I loved that pickup uh, because Clint Capella will do all the dirty. I couldn't believe. Uh, I couldn't believe. Well, anyway, that's the Rockets. <laughs> That was a great pickup for them. They've got size, They've got speed. They've got quickness. All they really lack is experience and another little tweak. And the Hawks can – I mean, I'll be shocked if they don't. It'll take an injury, a major injury for them to not make the playoffs this year. And then I'll be surprised if two and three years from now, they're not in that uh, home court advantage bracket.
0: I think also a lot of these uh, offseason moves and different things that they're doing, I think it's it's – it's compelling to see where the team was last year and you wondered last year like man what's how is it not working but now I think they have the right veterans in there nothing against Vince Carter Vince but Vince I think Vince honestly should have ended up in uh into the team that we're going to transition to next I think he should have ended up in Toronto um look Toronto is a team that now is transitioning a year after they won their championship the Lakers are the new champion the core of or the, the remaining parts, it was almost like the Raptors without Kawhi this year. What is what the the Cavaliers should have been without LeBron. I thought that they, um, yep. I, I thought that the team should have been Cleveland should have been better at that point, but now Toronto has some decisions. Do you want to get, keep some of these core pieces of your championship squad together? Or is it time to, <clears throat> if you're yours, if you're yours, you just press reset now and say, you know, look, Kyle, we're going to go through the rebuild. Let's do best by you and try and move you. Fred, go get your contract. Surge, go get your contract. Mark, go get your contract. Because right now you're bringing back pieces but nothing to build around. So um you know, I mean it's, I, I, that's that's my view of the Raptors situation. I don't think this is a this is a reboot, you know, like, you know, or reload. It's it's time for a, re, a reboot and rebuild the whole thing. And I don't think you can build it around Kyle. I'm
1: I don't know if you can build it around Kyle, but you can build it around Siakam, I believe. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. When they let Kyrie go, or Kyrie, when they let Kawhi go, the mentality was, well, Siakam's ready. And I thought, Shoot, you guys are nuts. But he proved me wrong, certainly during the regular season, not as much during the bubble. But when you have a – I think that disruption in play, we saw a lot of teams really not come into the bubble. Milwaukee's the perfect example came into the bubble not ready, like didn't look – lost the cohesiveness of the regular season before the shutdown, and they just didn't come to the bubble the same way. Some teams were much better, like Phoenix, but some teams just didn't – it didn't work well, The all that break time off. Um, I think they have in uh, – I mean, Kyle Lowry had a just an incredible season, uh, and Siakam had a great season, and they've still got – there's a guy where if you – you know, Mark Gasol. I don't know how much he has left, or if he's going to stay there. But Dwight Howard could help that situation. That's the kind of situation where there's not—they wouldn't expect a whole lot from him, but he could fill the role, right? So I—I I think Toronto is still just a, a tweak, or even a—I don't want—you never want to stand pat. But if you keep Van Fleet and you uh, and Kyle still, granted, he's one of those guys that's towards the end of his prime. But we're talking about a team that was really, really good last year. And if you could have one little injection of youth or, or you know, one free agent, I think they're that away from maybe winning the East, where when you talk about blowing it up and rebuilding it, I don't see that for a team that was as good as the Raptors were.
0: Fair deal. Uh, guys, you can follow the Hardwood Huddle at BackSportsPage.com. We're on, Bill's on Twitter, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Bill, let's do the plugs and let's get out of here to enjoy our Saturday.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you can find me on Twitter at The Rocket Guy when I write about the NBA. That's, of course, at BacksportsPage.com. My personal blog is IshmaelsLegacy.com. So you can uh, follow my other writing there, and I always put that out on Twitter and Facebook. So, uh, but, And then, of course, in the chair here with, uh, with Randy once a week for the, the latest of what's going on in the NBA, or sometimes we have friends from the league in to, uh, to talk, and it's always fun.
0: I appreciate it. I got to send you an email that I just got from the 76ers. So I got to remember to do that today. And uh, we'll go from there. We'll catch you everybody next week. Thanks for coming inside the huddle. For Bill Ingram, I'm Randy Zellia. See you next week.
1: Thanksgiving. Stay safe. You got it.